0: Yes, it's that time of year again. Of course, we love WKRP all year long, but especially now as we get closer to Thanksgiving and recall that incredibly funny episode. Did you know we have five different WKRP designs, including three different turkey drop-inspired ones? Simply go to cincyshirts.com and type WKRP into the search bar and have a look. Use the promo code at the end of this episode to save 20% on your entire order, online or in-store. Now, on with the show.
1: WKRP in Cincinnati This is WCPO-FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station.
0: again everyone and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 197. Today on our show, The Golden Lamb.
1: You don't have to go someplace. If you hang around in Lebanon and the Golden Lamb long enough, the world will come to you. Kesha, the pop singer, was staying at the Golden Lamb and they asked me to be and talk to her. They want to, She wants to talk about ghost stories.
0: The Golden Lamb was established in Lebanon in 1803 and is recognized today as the longest continually operating business in Ohio. John Zimkus is the official historian for the Golden Lamb, and he joins us to discuss the history of the inn and tavern, its famous guests, ghost stories, and a whole lot more. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it by a PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to John Zimkus about the Golden Lamb.
1: in cincinnati She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at cincyshirts.com in Cincinnati.
0: Weirdly, I should add, too, that I did advertising for the Golden Lamb years and years and years ago when it was owned by the Masonette Group. Oh, yes, yes. Like in the late 90s, yeah. So I did print, I think pretty sure I did some radio. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I have any of that anywhere on my computer. Maybe after the interview, I, on the other side, I'll, I'll play it for folks. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I've, I'm f- well familiar with the Golden Lamb, as are a lot of folks. So what what exactly is your position with the Golden Lamb?
1: I am the historian of the Golden Lamb. Oh, I've perfect. been doing it now for, oh, uh, well, 14, let's see. Yeah, 14 years.
0: Wow, I'm the historian for Cincy shirts, unofficially, <laughs> and old school shirts. Everybody always asks me about, hey, do you know about this thing? And um, So yeah, uh, let's just get to your background first. You are from the tri-state area originally, or no?
1: I was born in Connecticut, moved to uh, oh. Centerville, Ohio, south of Dayton, in uh, 1964, and uh, went to Miami University over in Oxford. I taught school for uh, 35 years in Lebanon. Became very active in the local historical society, the Warren County Historical Society, and uh, and then I, uh, I took the position of historian of the Warren County Historical Society. Uh, I was on the board of directors of the Lebanon Chamber, and. Uh, at that time, Steve Mullinger was the general manager of the Golden Lamb and asked me would, uh, would I like to be his, uh, an historian for the Golden Lamb, someone to tell people while the gold, why the Golden Lamb is historic.
0: So, John, how old were you when you moved to Centerville?
1: I was uh, 15.
0: Okay. Yeah, Centerville's great. We're huge fans of uh, Centerville, Kettering, the Dayton area. We go shopping up there all the time, and uh, my daughter has a friend that lives in Centerville. So uh, we're well familiar with with Centerville. Fun growing up in Dayton, was it? What was that now? Fun growing up in Dayton, was it?
1: Well, well, I tell you, in the town I grew up in, Connecticut, there was a sense of a downtown. When I moved to Centerville, I felt like there was no downtown. It was like it was all a subdivision, subdivision, subdivision. Okay. Um, And I I met my future wife at Miami, and she was a native of Lebanon. And I fell in love with Lebanon. I fell in love with my wife first, but then Lebanon. Um, And I just love the community. And of course, the Golden Lamb is an important part of that community. Yeah, plus, you know, going from, I was uh, 35 miles outside of uh, New York City in Stamford, Connecticut. And this is pre cable days. And they had seven TV stations coming out of New York. And then I moved to the Dayton area and they had two. They shared uh, one of them, channel W, uh, 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 the channel two had uh, part time NBC, part time ABC. <laughs> so I could. And I was moving to a town called Centerville, which I thought was where Archie and Veronica lived, you know. But but, uh, Lebanon is what really, uh, I I really got excited about the community of Lebanon and the look of Lebanon. But you were saying
0: you moved to, so you moved to Centerville and and how did you find Centerville?
1: Well, Centerville, uh, although there was a a downtown area, it was Washington Township, almost in Kettering. Uh, I was not used to uh, the suburbs uh, per se because the, the town I ha- I came from had about a hundred thousand people and there were corner grocery stores and what have you. and um, I took the bus to go downtown to see a movie or something like that. And I sort of missed it. I guess if I had moved to Dayton it would I, I would relate to it better. But uh, Centerville to me was uh, like I said, a little shocking because of uh, the subdivision life. Uh, I had gone through uh, um, the ninth grade and I had never rode and ridden a, a school bus. I, I always walked to school, you know. Mm. Uh, that was the kind of community I, I lived in. But uh,
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Centerville and particularly Kettering, really good examples of post-World War II uh, suburbs. Uh, yes. Yeah, especially with uh, the town and country shopping center up there in Kettering. Oh yeah, and, that's uh, a great place. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're a, if you're a fan of uh, mid century modern, although they've changed it all, they used to have in the one lobby area pictures of what it used to look like. Before they mm-hmm. completely remodeled it, and boy, it was properly a mid-century modern post-war mm-hmm. uh, shopping center, just gorgeous. But uh, and, and it's nice that they may be able to revitalize it though and keep it going. Yeah. You know, a lot of times that that doesn't happen, and and things close up. But so let's walk us through the Golden Lamb's history here. I'm a, a little familiar with it, but what, how does the Golden Lamb come to be in Southwest Ohio?
1: Well, the Golden Lamb started way back in 1803, the same year that Ohio became a state. Okay. Um, <laughs> The old menu cover used to have the Clerk of Courts records uh, for the Golden Lamb. And it was a man named Jonas Seaman who got a license to keep a house of public entertainment in the house he now occupies in the south of Lebanon for $4. Uh, It was a uh, public house. That's what the public entertainment was, a pub. And um, it started out, the town was planning for stagecoaches. When they mapped out the town in 1802, they made the street in front of the Golden Lamb one and a half times wider than all the other streets in town so that a stagecoach could turn around in the middle of it. So they intentionally made it a Broadway, and that's its name, Broadway.
0: And that's uh, 43?
1: Uh, 42, 42. 42 and 48. They both uh, right. they meet in downtown Lebanon. Okay. For only about three or four blocks, and yep. then 48 State 48 goes straight north to to Centerville. Yep, uh, and then 42 makes its way uh, through Xenia and almost to Columbus, but eventually to Cleveland. All right, um, but and the uh, US 42 was a major stagecoach route, um, so the the founders were predicting it that it, you know quite correctly that Lebanon would be a place to stop and uh, it was uh, a stagecoach stop. Uh, By the 1830s, the the Golden Lamb was one of, uh, oh, maybe a half a dozen or more taverns. So in the early years, we had a lot of competition, but uh, the stagecoach would go through Lebanon and uh, they would change horses in Sharonville, continue for another 15 miles, stop at the Golden Lamb, and then make their way either north to Dayton And then eventually to Sandusky, which was the Lake Erie Port before they drained the area around Toledo, or make their way toward Columbus. But we were a a major stop. Um, And and initially, uh, well, the only reason Charles Dickens came to the Golden Land and dined there in 1842 is that it was lunchtime on the stagecoach. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And is that the case for a lot of other famous visitors, or the? Well, in
1: in many ways, it is Uh, the um, the Golden Lamb was uh, a a perfect stop, a perfect stop in between, because you you could go uh, in the early days, you could go uh, east to uh, Chillicothe, the first capital of Ohio, or you could go north, uh, or you could go to the National Road, US uh, forty the first major highway to cross the Appalachian Mountains. And so, you know, Lebanon was perfectly located, and the Golden Lamb was perfectly located 30 miles north of the Ohio River, the Great River Town. So all that river traffic is going back and forth. And 34 miles south of US-40, the National Road. So if you were going from water travel to land travel, the Golden Lamb was the place to be. So when uh, it first starts, it. so
0: it's a public house, so is it is it a hotel at first, too, because it's a stagecoach stop and people need to rest for the night, or is it st- strictly a, more like a bar-slash-restaurant situation?
1: Well, it, it, in the early days, it was a bar-slash-restaurant hotel, but in those early days, you never got a room. You got, in many cases, part of a bed. You, you shared beds with uh, strangers, which was the practice of... Uh, in the 18th and 19th century Uh, the beginning of the building the golden Lamb we have today is 1815 so that is the lobby area and the front of the dickens room pretty much what's covered by the porch and the two-story porch and there there were rooms or once again a room where you shared a bed with somebody Uh, and that's when the hotel aspect of the Golden Lamb really took off, uh, and they kept on adding on to that through the years. By by 1844, there was a third story on that, and by that time, you've got a three-story brick building, which was the most uh, oh imposing building in the uh, the entire town outside of any kind of church steeple or the courthouse, and there was its three-story Golden Lamb. And then by 1854 they built another three-story addition to the north doubling the size of the golden lamb and there was nothing uh, to compete with the golden lamb at that time or under its various names over the years Um, and then they put a fourth floor on that in 1878 so they kept on adding on to it and adding on to it and adding on to it and of course we're still doing that today with uh, the beautiful veranda uh, which they put on in 2019.
0: So most of the building that we see is eighteen fifteen ish.
1: Well, eighteen, I would say, um, well between eighteen fifteen and eighteen seventy eight. So if you eliminate the fourth floor, we're talking eighteen fifty four uh, and below. Okay. Um, if you just look at the uh, at the uh, what's covered by the two story porch, it's eighteen fifteen. So, and you can see if you if you pay close enough attention. You can see mortar seams. Uh, if you go on the second floor and you go into the Harrison Dining Room, uh, the wall on the right is brick. That was the exterior wall for the 1815 Golden Lamb used as an interior wall.
0: Okay. And what's Lebanon like in these days? You said it was a, it's a stagecoach stop. So how does it compare to say? I don't know, Dayton or Middletown or Cincinnati or other larger communities of the day?
1: Well, to begin with, it was extremely small. Um, we were May, and when Warren County, where Lebanon is, uh, was founded in 1803, actually was founded two months after the state in May of 1803, they picked Lebanon as the temporary county seat. Um, we were extremely small. Uh, If we had uh, uh, two dozen adult males in Lebanon, I'd be surprised. Um, Franklin was much bigger. Waynesville was much bigger. Deerfield, the original name of South Lebanon, was the first community, permanent community in the area, and it was much bigger. But we were centrally located. So we were the temporary county seat. Being the temporary county seat, they did not want to build a real courthouse so they took the original Black Horse Tavern now the Golden Lambs bar is the beautiful Black Horse Tavern but the original was one block to the north where the large uh, LCNB National Bank building is today and that was like the old Western movies you close the bar and hold court (laughs) Uh, so Jonas Seaman, the first owner of the Golden Lamb, had to go to the competition to get his license uh, to uh, open up his uh, Golden Lamb Tavern.
0: Wow. So for those folks that sort of familiar with the area, when we're talking South Lebanon, we're talking the area that when you get off 71 going north, it's past Target, and that's South Lebanon.
1: That is correct.
0: Yeah, and then the other—so the other little areas were bigger. That's that's surprising, because when you look at downtown Lebanon now— it looks kind of old-tiny. It looks like it's been there for a while, and of course you have all the nice historical markers showing where all the plats for mm-hmm. the town were laid out. So I, get, I was sensing it was a much bigger place than it really was even back then.
1: It went, well, you know, it, it, it was for many years the largest, for the 19th century, the largest community in the, uh, in the county uh, because it did become officially the county seat in 1805, and they built... Uh, the first courthouse right across the street from the Golden Lamb where the town hall now is. And so the Golden Lamb was in a perfect location for that. And there, there were a lot of little industries. There was a woolen mill. There was a, a shoe factory in the early 20th century. Uh, nothing sustainable, but being the county seat, um, Really helped Lebanon grow, and the fascinating thing about the, the, the all the two-block area where the Golden Lamb is today is how little that area has changed in 120, 130 years. Uh, it, it looks pretty much the same thing it does, uh, you know, it did like it does right now. It uh, you can recognize where you are. One or two buildings have changed the uh, uh, the town hall. Uh, the uh, the old town hall. They built a uh, a place called the Opera House in uh, 1877, directly across from the Golden Lamb, and it was uh, had a 1,200 seat auditorium on its second floor. But it burned down on Christmas morning of 1932, and it was a tremendous fire. And there was fear that uh, its uh, its tower, its a clock tower, would fall and hit the Golden Lamb across the street. Uh, So it was a tremendous thing, but Outside of that and a few other buildings, you you know exactly where you are if you see a photograph From a hundred thirty forty years ago.
0: So because across the street is the courthouse
1: Well, it was the courthouse then they built a new courthouse in 1835 on Silver Street and that courthouse building became Lebanon's Town Hall Okay, then it burned down in 1874 replaced by the Opera House, which burned down in 1932. And then they built the uh, the current courthouse, dedicating it in uh, 1934. I'm um, So the current uh, town hall, dedicating it in 1934.
0: And across the street to the south is the library. Yes. And that comes along when? Uh,
1: that was built in 1908, uh, okay. about half the size of what you see now. Um, and then uh, it was a Carnegie, it is a Carnegie library. Uh, Andrew Carnegie oh. gave the village of Lebanon uh, $12,000 to build that facility. And uh, it is on the, the four corners there, where the, where the town hall is, where the library is, uh, were part of the four corners known as the, the town square. The other two are still open, what is called Gazebo Park, yeah. right next to the Golden Lamp and what is called Christmas Tree Park, diagonally across the Broadway and Main Street. Uh, Those are still open areas, but they are part of the town square. What used to be on those? Well, uh, for the most part, nothing, although there were some minor things. Uh, When Lebanon was the the temporary county seat right next to the Golden Lamb, they built a temporary jail. Uh, It was like 16 by 24 made out of log cabins, a lot of logs, you know, and... uh, So it was a temporary jail Uh, then they built a a bigger jail out of stone uh, where the library is uh, and then they found a couple of decades later they built uh, a new jail by the the courthouse on silver street okay but for the most part those were open outside of an occasional jail here or there
0: so in the early 1800s the Golden Lamb is fairly busy. It's fairly well-known. It's getting a, a, a lot of traffic. It's very successful. Or does that come it later? It was.
1: You know, initially, its number one competition was the Indian Chief Tavern, which was only a half a block to the east, uh, the, the back part of what is now the city building in Lebanon. Uh, so that, that was, you know, Golden Lamb got the traffic going north and south. Indian Chief got the traffic going east and west. Um, but once the the brick structure was being set up, definitely by all, uh, 1844. But uh, another owner, uh, Henry Sher, he really wanted the golden lamb to be uh, noticed. So he did almost anything he could think of to bring people to the golden lamb. So he got an Indian elephant <laughs> to come and be staked out, uh, in the, uh, the gazebo park today. And he would charge for people to see the Indian elephant. Oh, by the way, come eat at the golden lamb, you know? Uh, and then there was, uh, he brought, uh, an Egyptian mummy. Uh, he brought, uh, he, he did, the, converted part of the golden lamb into the stage and put on uh, Shakespearean plays with traveling, um, theater groups. So he really was, uh, Thinking of ways to stand out among the crowd. Um,
0: so when I was doing the advertising for the Golden Lamb back in the late '90s, at that time, one of the big selling points was uh, eight presidents have stayed at the Golden Lamb. <laughs> I don't know if that is that number increased.
1: That number has increased. It's twelve
0: now. Okay, and we'll, so we'll go. With, so who was the first president to stay at the Golden Lamb?
1: Well, to the best of my uh, recollection, or or my research, it would probably be William Henry Harrison. He was there multiple times. Um, He was in town, I know, in 1825. In 1840, when he's running for president, a parade began right in front of the Golden Lamb. And it had, uh, he was running for president, and he is going to uh, where a platform was built Oh, about a half a mile to the north. And the first wagon had the uh, re- Lebanon brass band pulled by six white horses. The next wagon had Harrison, who was a former US senator, former minister to Columbia, and of course a, a hero of the War of 1812. Um, then it had a, a wagon of uh, Revolutionary War veterans who were all in their 80s and 90s, and then veterans of the War of 1812 and so that would have been 1840 he, he does get elected you know ohio claims by birth uh, seven presidents and virginia claims by birth eight although we have a tug of war over william henry harrison okay uh born in virginia but the old adage possession is nine tenths of the law he's buried in ohio so he's ours you know um <laughs> uh, but uh, so he uh he, he did come there now um In 1843, uh, John Quincy Adams is in town, Uh, he's a former president, and he is uh, on his way to Cincinnati to dedicate the cornerstone of the Cincinnati Observatory, which was being built on a hill called Mount Ida. And after he dedicates the cornerstone, the people at this dinner demand they change the name of the hill from Mount Ida to Mount Adams in honor of him. So that they do that. And then 30 years later, they move the entire telescope to Mount Lookout because yep. the coal burning furnaces of Cincinnati were too polluting uh, to have this telescope be worthwhile. Then two years after that, we've got a former president, Martin Van Buren, our one and only Democrat, uh, to come to the Golden Lamp. And... Uh, He is considered a possible uh, front-runner for the Democratic nomination of 1844 for president again. So he is met by uh, the same Lebanon brass band from two years earlier, and they bring him to what was then called the Bradley House, the Golden Lamb, and he gives a speech in front of the Golden Lamb, goes in, has a lunch and dinner, um, and gives another little talk. Uh, but he doesn't spend the night. He gets on his coach and travels off toward Columbus. So that's the case in some of uh, many of the people who were in the Golden Lamb that they did not spend the night, but rather gave speeches and then went on their way.
0: Okay. Uh, so who comes after Van Buren?
1: Well, you know, let's see. In eighteen sixty-seven, it's uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. He begins his first campaign for governor in Lebanon. He and his opponent both agreed to begin the campaign on the exact same day. I believe it was August 5th of 1867. And uh, he picked Lebanon. His opponent picked Waverly, Ohio, south of Chillicothe. And they gave uh, they gave her speeches and it was a two-month campaign. It wasn't a two-year campaign or a forever campaign. Two months and it was all over. And uh, then there was uh, around 1870, uh, James A. Garfield spoke, ah. um, then around 1883, Benjamin Harrison, who went to Miami University over in Oxford, uh, he spoke at the fairground, same place Donald Trump spoke, uh, about two years ago. Uh, Donald Trump, however, did not make it down to the Golden Lamp. Hmm. Uh, he was only a half a mile away, but, uh, he did not make it down, um, uh, and then we have uh, William McKinley, who was in uh, right across the street at the Opera House, the uh, town hall. And he spoke there twice, once around 1892 and once, uh, well, 1894, I believe it is. And uh, Warren G. Harding spoke there twice, running for, uh, on the exact, uh, October 24th of 1910, he's running for governor. He speaks across the street from the Golden Land. Uh, He loses that race, comes back exactly four years later. He's running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, He speaks uh, across the street and he wins that race. And that's the job he has when he's elected president on his birthday, November 2nd of uh, 1920. Then we have, uh, I don't know if I've skipped anybody, but uh, let's see. William Howard Taft came in 1898. He was a member of the uh, Appellate Court in Cincinnati, and uh, a judge who lived in town, George Sage, the son-in-law of former Governor Tom Corwin, uh, who we have a a room named after in the Golden Lamb, a very fine dining room. And uh, they enclosed the court in Cincinnati, and the entire court came up to Lebanon for uh, the funeral. There was a big meal at the Lebanon house, as the Golden Lamb was then called, and um, he was part of that. Um, Ronald Reagan came in 1968. He was governor of California. He was campaigning for uh, Donald Buzz Lukens, freshman congressman out of uh, out of Middletown. Uh, that summer, uh, Lukens had supported Reagan and his first uh, thoughts of running for president. Uh, at the convention in Miami Beach, Florida, Reagan came in third behind Nixon and Nelson Rockefeller. And so he was campaigning for him. Uh, he spoke for about him in the, the Black Horse Tavern. Now, in 19, first of all, there were about a thousand people out in the street when he got there. Half of them were said to be movie fans because people were still thinking of Ronald Reagan as a movie actor. So uh, they give him the key to the city. He goes to the Black Horse Tavern. And in 68, that was on the lower level where the gift shop was. Uh, the Black Horse Tavern back in those days was like a, a communal uh, man cave. You know, you had big steak dinners, you had dark booths, uh, you know, probably everyone smoking cigars or something. Uh, and they had about 100, uh, 100 people there and uh, Reagan's microphone didn't, uh, his his microphone did not work. So he stood on a chair and spoke for oh, a half hour or better standing on a chair in the Black Horse Tavern. And then George W. Bush came on May 4th of 2004. Uh, He was uh, running for re-election, so he was president at the time. He and Donald Trump are the only ones to come to town while they were president. Um, After he spoke in the middle of the street, right in front of the Golden Limb, they took him upstairs and they showed him the room where his mother, Barbara Bush, had spent the night on April 12th of 1988. She had been campaigning for her husband and the vice president. They show in the room and they say, we're gonna make this the George W. Bush room. But as I often tell the guests at the Golden Lamb, they should have made it the Barbara Bush room. She's the one who slept (laughs) on the bed. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I tell people it's another example of a mother sacrificing for her child.
0: I guess that people love Barbara Bush. I think she's oh, they of, do. They yeah, do. She was one of the uh, most popular first ladies ever. Yeah. So wait, walk wait, me through it's this. A, it's the
1: Barbara Bush bed in the George W. There Bush
0: you go. <laughs> That's what I tell. So the gift shop itself was the Black Horse Tavern, or part of the Black Horse Tavern. Initially. Wow. Then it was in
1: 1972 that they switched. So the Black Horse Tavern came up to the main floor, and the gift shop was moved to the okay. lower level. Oh, that's neat. So My, initially, it was the reverse of that.
0: Yeah, we always go into the gift shop. My wife always ends up buying uh, candles there and <laughs> and stuff. So we always we've oh, that's some great things. Oh yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of neat stuff there. So uh, what other famous folks have stayed there? I know we mentioned Charles Dickens. and You say he just was just happened to be passing through because it was on route to wherever he was going. So who anyone else show up? In any other memorable stories? Well, of let, the,
1: let me tell you a little bit about Dickens to begin with. Okay. Uh, you know, they have a beautiful painting. Uh, of uh, Charles Dickens in in the Dickens Room. And it was done about in the late 1960s, so we're talking 50 years ago. And there's the bearded Dickens uh, in in front of a stagecoach with a young lady who's probably his wife, Kate. Uh, He's talking to somebody else. There's the white porch of the Golden Lamb. There's a nice little Golden Lamb sign. It's a beautiful painting, but as I often tell the guests, it's totally historically inaccurate. Uh, the porch wasn't put up until 1935. Uh, the, when Dickens came, we were not the golden lamb. A man named Calvin Bradley owned us, and we were the Bradley house. Oh. Uh, and Dickens was not the bearded man we're so used to thinking. He was clean shaven. Uh, he had long flowing hair. Uh, I often—I t- I have this picture I, I carry around with me when I'm doing the history my historian and uh, work and it's a picture of dickens painted about four months before he came to lebanon and he looks like professor snake from the harry potter movies i mean he's got the long flowing and the hair is a little, somewhat wavy uh, he was only 29 years old uh, he had already written oliver twist and nicholas nickleby and the pickwick papers uh, christmas carol was a year and a half away and so he and his wife uh, her maid and he hired a young man from Boston to be his secretary. and the four of them traveled for oh five and a half months. and he kept notes and he wrote a book called American Notes about his travels. and uh, he loves Cincinnati. When he's coming down the Ohio River, he said it burst forth out of the forest like an Arabian night city. He called it thriving, animated, and cheerful. He goes on to St. Louis comes back to Cincinnati. And on the 20th of April, they board a stagecoach at 8 o'clock in the morning, and they head north on what is now U.S. 42, Reading Road. And he likes to sit in the driver's box. So he's sitting shotgun by today's standards. <laughs> um, and he, uh, he says the countryside reminded him of Kent, when he, where he grew up 5 to 10 years of age. And he says, being April, it is luxuriant and the promise of an abundant harvest. But then he goes on for a page and a half in his book, all about American carriage drivers, how they always chew tobacco and always spit and uh, only speak in monosyllables. And uh, he goes on and on. <laughs> they finally, he, he's impressed with the coach. Uh, the road was a McAdam road, uh, crushed gravel. And he says sp- he says specifically they're doing six miles to the hour. He thought that was great. Uh, that means the 30 mile trip took five hours from Cincinnati to Lebanon, but that for him, that was fantastic. And they get to the golden lamb and he writes, we dined soon afterwards with the boarders of the house. And since the coffee and tea were bad and the water worse, I asked for brandy, but it was a temperance hotel and spirits were not to be had for love or money. Um, so he he didn't care for us, but as I often tell people, you know, there's an old adage: of, I don't care what kind of publicity I get as long as you spell my name right.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So Dickens
1: did eat at the Golden Lamb. Yes, and I also told them they won't have a problem getting fine uh, brandy or any other fine liquor today. No, world. no,
0: I think that we've gotten that sorted. So when the Golden Lamb opens, it's not the Golden Lamb, is it, or is it?
1: Well, you know that it. There is some question about that in the initial days. The first time you find the words golden lamb in print is around 1820. Okay. I personally think it was called that before that, but calling it Mr. Siemens Tavern, which is what I sometimes see in the old newspapers just doesn't ring true to me. I mean, you had the black horse tavern. There's a community North of Lebanon called red lion. It had a red lion tavern. Uh, there is a uh, Blue Ball near Middletown. It had a Blue Ball Tavern. There's an old uh, uh, building, still exists, on a road called Green Tree Road because it had a Green Tree Tavern. So Golden Lamb fits in with that. The uh, The old belief that many of the early settlers were literate, so if they saw a, a, a drawing, they knew where they were. So it... it I think it was called the Golden Lamb prior to 1820, but definitely in the 1820s, and when then, Henry Shear owned it, when he was putting out the mummy and the elephant and what have you. And it's temp-
0: um, but then it goes by Bradley House for a couple of years. And and Bradley House.
1: Lamb. Then it's bought by Isaac Stubbs, and for much of the 19th century, it is the Lebanon House. Um, in 1914, a man named Only Furman, his first name is spelled O-W-N-L-Y. He buys us, and we were, believe it or not, called the Only Hotel, <laughs> O-W-N-L-Y. So wow. then in um, 1926, uh, Bob Jones, uh, the father of the modern-day Golden Lamb, leases the building, buys it outright in 1927, After operating it for about five, six years as the Lebanon Hotel. He brings back the Golden Lamb, definitely by 1935. And from there on, we are, in fact, the Golden Lamb.
0: Okay. Any other famous folks stay there?
1: Well, let's see. Um, Harriet there. Beecher Stowe and her sister tried to set up a uh, a girl's school here in Lebanon in 1832. My, uh, to get into the 20th century, I have a brother who lives in Chicago. I often tell him, you don't have to go someplace if you hang around in Lebanon and the Golden Lamb long enough. The world will come to you. (laughs) Uh, So you have at the Golden Lamb, you've got presidents. Like I I personally saw uh, George W. Bush. I saw John McCain and Sarah Palin. Uh, In uh, 2013, Kesha, the pop singer, was staying at the Golden Lamb. And they asked me to be and talk to her. Because uh, they she had a show on MTV called Kesha, My Crazy Beautiful Life, and so they they wanna she wants to talk about ghost stories. So oh yeah, so I I I I, I go at six. Her bus pulls up at six thirty. She goes up to room two on the fourth floor. Doesn't come down for three hours. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting to talk to her. Then she wants to eat. So finally, it's 10 o'clock. I've been there four hours to talk to her. And I tell her a ghost stories. And the first thing she asks me, I just had a spirit taken out of my body. If I spend the night in the golden land, will another spirit come into my body? Will I tell her, you know, that is not my line of expertise, but I hope not. And then I tell ghost stories and, uh, her, she's there with her cousin who is her co-star on this show. Um, they have, uh, the producer gives me two thumbs up, uh, come November. Uh, it's on MTV and there's a beautiful picture of the golden lamb and the graphic says Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there's Kesha. There's her cousin. There's my chair. But they cut to another story. So I I did not make my MTV uh, debut.
0: Yeah, I forgot about the ghost stories. What are some of the good ghost stories?
1: Well, you know, we supposedly have at least two ghosts. A little girl who is often identified as Sarah Stubbs. And a gaunt man who has never been identified. But there's a lot of possibilities. Now, uh, Sarah Stubbs was the uh, granddaughter of Isaac Stubbs who bought the golden lamb uh, in 1843. Now, Isaac did not run the place. He had a series of innkeepers. Eventually, his son, Albert, does run the golden lamb. And in 1883, uh, Sarah's dad dies at the young age of 32. And so Sarah moves into the hotel. She's only five years old. Uh, her mother and her baby sister Bessie joined them and she lives with her uncle Albert. And I find this fascinating, many people may not, but her mother's name was Eunice Stubbs and her aunt's name was Eunice Stubbs. Uh, The fact that both brothers married a girl named Eunice, I find that fascinating. It's it's not Mary, it's not Anne, it's not Sarah, it's Eunice. So anyway, she is supposedly the little girl ghost, but researching her, she did not die as a little girl. She lived to be 79 years old, dying in 1957. So back in 2007, when I'm first the the historian there, I would tell people she can't be the little girl ghost. Then I met a guest who was very excited about ghost stories. And he tells uh, me there's a theory out there called the imprint theory. And under the imprint theory, if something traumatic happens in your lifetime, it can leave an imprint on your spirit. And when you die, your spirit can return to earth at the age of that event. Well, when she was five, she lost her father and her home. So under that theory, she could be the little girl wandering the halls. Now, we are... uh, there are at least two ghost books: uh, Ghost Hunters Guide to Haunted Ohio and Haunting Ohio, which devote a full chapter to the Golden Lamp. The um, and there are websites, and uh, you got to take the websites with a grain of salt because you know there there's thunder, there's lightning, there's eerie music. Uh, there are stories about, uh, and one website I saw. There was so much spiritual activity that they had to close a floor in the Golden Lamb. Well, that never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But the stories I enjoy the most and the ones I often repeat to customers are the ones I actually hear from other customers. Um, There was a family of four. Uh, dining at the Golden Lamb, and the mother told me uh, some years earlier when her son was only five or six, it was this time of year, close to uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and their son was five or six, and he he was getting antsy. They were waiting for a table, and it probably was 15, 20 minutes, but for him it probably seemed like forever. Uh, so he's twisting and turning. Finally, he turns to his mom and says, Mom, can I play with that little girl and mom says, what little girl? And he says, the one in the white dress on the stairs. And mom looks over and mom doesn't see anybody. There are those who say that children and animals can sense and see ghosts that other, uh, that adults can't. Uh, so she turns to her son, who's now a few years older and says, isn't that true, Bobby? And he looks at me and goes, yeah. And goes on eating his French fries. Like it's <laughs> no big deal. Um, uh, I met a gentleman who was spending the night. Uh, He and his wife loved spending the night, and he's a musician. And wherever he was playing that night, people were buying him drinks. So so by the time he got to the Golden Lamb, he wasn't feeling any pain. Uh, So if if you walk through the Golden Lamb, and you're welcome to wander through the hotel. We have museum display rooms. We have beautiful artifacts throughout the halls. And if no one is spending the night, there'll be a little plastic chain rope, uh, and you can look inside without uh, going into the room. Well, in his condition, he got to that little rope, and he decided the best way to get into that room was to jump over that rope. Well, he landed flat on his face, but the second he hit the carpet, he swears a little girl was laughing at him. So he goes to the hallway. He looks back and forth. He can't find anybody. Now, whether or not he heard Sarah's spirit, or that was the effect of all the spirits he'd been drinking <laughs> all night long, I don't know. But, you know, the stories like that that people tell me, uh, you know, the, the couple in the Dickens room, uh, which is also not only a dining room, but we also have a second Dickens room, which is a guest room. Back in the day when... Um, A portable television looked like a basketball. It was round. It was kind of heavy. It was, the the television was sitting on the dresser. Neither the man or his wife were anywhere near the television, and nobody tripped over any wires, yet the television, he swears, came off the desk, uh, the dresser. It fell down, and they can't figure out why. So there are a lot of little things like that, uh, which I love to tell, uh, that, that people tell me, and and I, I I put more credence to what they say than uh, what I read on the Internet or the ghost books.
0: Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> one thing I want to ask you about, too, was the railroad. How does the railroad affect the Golden Lamb? Because, you know, there's a rail line that goes through town. And does that have any effect on the Golden Lamb? Because I know a lot of places when the transportation... I guess mode of transportation changed towns and businesses and things would, you know, sometimes fall off because like the railroad passed them by or the canal, they stopped using the canal in a certain <laughs> area. So it no longer was, you know, did that happen to, to Lebanon at all? It doesn't seem to. Have, it well,
1: helped. it did. It, and actually the initial train did pass us by when they were building the little Miami railway in the 1840s, you know, which is now the bike trail from Loveland to all to Warren County. Um, It initially was supposed to come up to Lebanon, but they decided not to bring it up there. They felt the town did not offer too much support, so it stayed by the river. And Lebanon was, uh, its growth was stunted because of that. Uh, We were, prior to that, one of the largest towns in the state of Ohio in the 1820s. Some were, you know, Chilicothe, Marietta, Marietta. St. Clairsville, of course, Dayton—they were all about the same. Uh, Only Cincinnati uh, was in a class by itself back in those days. Uh, So for a good, uh, so we stunted when they did bring the railroad. They built it in the uh, 1870s, and they first had the major train get there in 1881. That is the reason the fourth floor was put on the Golden Uh Lamp to accommodate the railroad uh, workers and also. Anticipated uh, business, because uh, back in those days, prior to that, you would. Uh, there were ads for the omnibus, which is basically uh, a stage which doesn't have a coach, which doesn't have stages to go through, uh, would take you from the Golden Lamb to uh, the South Lebanon Railway Station, six miles away. So. It would be almost an hour stagecoach ride uh take you down there but and that's what they did for a good uh, 30 years for almost 40 years they would uh, take you a coach down to the railroad but once it did come uh it, things did pick up
0: and that's the same rail line now that's a block south there where you can ride it is towards-
1: although initially it was narrow gauge only three feet wide uh, track uh it was around 1894 that they decided to change to standard gauge. And so hundreds of workers from Lebanon all the way down to Cincinnati changed the entire track by moving one rail, uh, I don't know, a foot or eight inches or something in an am not quite the exact amount, but they moved one rail and then it became a standard gauge, which it is today.
0: And similarly, the interstate highway runs a bit east of Lebanon. And I know it, it's in local lore that Was it Middletown or Hamilton or both said no thanks to Interstate 75 and it went into passing them by and kind of hurting them? Was that the same case with 71 and Lebanon or was it that just...
1: Well, you know, I never heard about that. You know, it does, if if you look at uh, both 71 and uh, outside of Dayton and Cincinnati, there are no major towns. Either one of them go through, uh, 71, of course, does not go through Dayton, but it's all basically farmland but uh today of course we you've got 10 miles between 71 and 75 and so uh you know ideally located for for travelers uh going north and south the golden lamb gets an awful lot of people uh from michigan and canada going down to florida man I, i've met many uh many a guest at the golden lamb who well, we always stop on our way down to florida we got to stop and eat at the golden lamb or uh, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so bringing those people through through uh, through Warren County does help. You know, back in the day, pre-interstate, uh, Bob Jones uh, wanted to make uh, the Golden Lamb a destination restaurant, a place people purposely came. Now, you did have U.S. 42 going through. You did have... Um, ohio 48 so he you know he transformed us from a hotel with a dining room into a restaurant with guest rooms um so when he bought it there were 50 guest rooms and only one dining room and through time he made us into what we now have 11 dining rooms and only 17 guest rooms so we became uh, a destination restaurant and uh, uh, you know, what some people may not know is the original front dining rooms, the three front dining rooms, the Dickens, the Shaker and the Buckeye, they initially were, uh, were stores on the first floor of a hotel. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Dickens room was a tailor shop and a barber shop. The Shaker room was a grocery store and the Buckeye room was a men and boys clothing shop and then an auto part shop. Which actually had a gasoline pump out front uh, at one time in the 1920s. Oh wow! Uh, so M- Mr. Jones changed that, uh, made us that destination restaurant, and the Golden Lamb's reputation uh, took off from there. I mean, it, it had one in the 19th century, but not so uh, nothing like what it had uh, from 1935 or so on up. Okay, and
0: so when you're there today, you do you have a regular shift as the historian interacting with customers, or you just talk to them as you happen to be there doing your other duties, or what's the... Well, no,
1: I um, Right now, we are promoting the fact that you can have dinner with a historian on Wednesday nights between 6 and 8. And I, uh, I wander about and introduce myself to people as they dine, and I tell them who I am and if they have any stories, if they want to hear any stories, or if they... Uh, have any questions, it is my job to answer them for them. And, uh, so that is the promotion we had that pre COVID. I, it was a little bit, uh, was a little bit different. I was on weekends. Uh, I also, uh, if, if a tour group wants a speaker, uh, I will come and uh, speak to them and explain to them not only, uh, about the golden limit, about Lebanon, uh, whether it be a bus tour going uh, to, um, uh, Cape Cod as one tour went through uh, about a month ago, and I spoke to that group. Or people going from uh, the northern Ohio down to see the, the Ark in Kentucky, which uh, a lot of people do make a stop here at the Golden Lamb for that. Um, and I also, if somebody wants a speaker for their family group, for their business meeting or what have you, uh, they can arrange through the Golden Lamb to have me speak to them. And I speak as long as they want, 10, 15 minutes, you know, sometimes a half hour, depending upon uh, their desires.
0: Great. Well, this has been fantastic. I learned so much about the Golden Lamb in Lebanon, some things I was always curious about. So uh, Golden Lamb can be found, I know, on Facebook and on the Internet and all that fun stuff. And folks visiting Lebanon, to either ride the train or whatever, can go up a block from the train, and it's uh, right there on the north side west corner of? That is correct. Okay, yeah, and, and check it out. It's a great historic building. The whole town is just is just lovely. It's a great place to visit on a, a Saturday or Sunday if you know just want to make a little what we call a one-tank trip. We used to have a reporter up in Cleveland who was famous for yes, his one-tank yes. trips, Neil Zerker. So that's yeah. recommended for a one-tank trip. The only other order of business we have left here, John, is that we let the guest choose the coupon code that our customers can use for the next week while this episode is up, and they can either use it at Cincy Shirts or our sister site, Old School coolshirts.com and this can either be a one word phrase or a multiple word phrase Uh, what would you like the coupon code to be
1: okay so i say something and that is the code they will use to get yep okay well let's um how about black horse tavern
0: Oh, Black Horse Tavern. Okay, that should fit. that would be all one word, of course. And folks can use that to take 20% off their entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or they can come into our stores on Over the Rhine and Hyde Park, of course, and use it there. And, uh, John, maybe we'll see you sometime. We're in Lebanon. About once a month we go up to shop and then maybe head on up to Centerville and, and do some shopping and looking around up in Dayton. And I appreciate you joining us today and, and filling us in all about the Golden Lamb in Lebanon.
1: My pleasure.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank really- you. The soldiers have gone from the Lebanon, the Lebanon, the Lebanon, from the Lebanon. John Zimkus. But I didn't know all that about the Golden Lamb. I mean, I knew it was built in 1803. I knew it was either like the oldest inn or the oldest. Con- I knew it was the oldest continually running business in Ohio until today. The- I thought it was like the oldest hotel or restaurant in Ohio. But uh, but it's a great area up there. Go up and visit sometime, kids. Also, there's a I'm gonna plug a cookie store up there. We don't normally do this. It's on North Mechanic Street. It's a block over from the Golden Lamb. It's called Carly's Cookies. Uh, the best oatmeal cookie I've ever had in my entire life. It was insane. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the Lebanon back there uh, couldn't decide on a playout tune, and I thought maybe they'd be, be a little a little too upbeat for the subject matter. But uh, it's a great tune, Human League. If you're used to the more uh, I guess synth pop stylings of Don't You Want Me, or the more I guess R&B stylings of Human uh, Lebanon, a little different for you there. A little rockier. Uh, got the 30-odd in the chart. That actually charted here in the U.S. So anyway, taking us out of the interview with John Zimkus. Find Golden Lamb. Uh, I think it's goldenlam.com. It might be a .org. I'm not sure, but you can find it on your internet machine. Trust me, they're also on Facebook and all the social media channels as well. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the show, simply email podcast at com. Put podcast guest in the subject line and maybe give us a few sentences about how you think that person would be a good guest for the show. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about this show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the Tri-State. If you haven't already, please check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Yazbeck. I was going back through just to kind of see who else we've had on. We had that chili historian guy. We had the ghost guy he's been on. Ronnie Salerno was on, of course, talking about, uh, what do we talk about, abandoned stuff and soccer, uh, the old soccer team, the Cincinnati Comets here in Cincinnati. Uh, Jeff Ruby was on uh, all kinds of great episodes. Check them all out. Trust me, you're going to love them all. Today's show is produced by me, with all from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Defunct funk sports teams, old restaurants, old malls, old radio personalities, radio stations, like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Black Horse Tavern. Black Horse Tavern, all one word. Use that to take 20% off your entire Cincy. Cshirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or come into our stores in Hyde Park and Over the Rhine and say, "Hey, I'd like to use the podcast code Black Horse Tavern." Follow our social channels: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest in c-shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Cincinnati.